There we go. It's not often that I get muted. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Hey, we're uh, week seven online only. Can you believe that? Week number seven. Uh, we're glad that you tuned in this week. Uh, whether you're watching it uh, live or whether you are going to be watching the recorded video that's posted, um, whether perhaps you're just listening to it going down the road, um, we're glad that you're here. We're glad that we're here. We're glad that uh, together that we can worship you and we can uh, look into God's Word and uh, receive from Him, receive from God the encouragement, the uh, strength, the comfort, uh, the excitement uh, that He wants us to have, that He wants us to have for His glory. And so we're excited about that. Um, first question, how have you guys been doing? How have you guys been doing? A lot of chatter on online this week. Um, I'd encourage you right now, if you're watching live, uh, chime in in the comment section if you want to. Uh, we want to know how you have been doing. It's not so much about us, but it's, it's about the whole body. And so we want to know how you guys have been doing. And uh, specifically, specifically today, uh, maybe not during the live service, but specifically today, go on to the church's Facebook site uh, or email us or text us in and share something that God did this week that just really blessed and encouraged you. We want to hear what God's doing in your life uh, in these times. And so uh, if you'd do that for us, it'd be awesome. Last week, we looked at the area of endurance, uh, the area of endurance and how Paul's story in those latter chapters of Acts reflected this abundance of endurance. Um, endurance became a repeated theme that Paul talked about through all of his writings and and throughout the epistles, uh, endurance was a big theme. And this week we're going to look at not, the, not the, uh, the what, but the why. Why did Paul endure? Why did he, uh, why did he endure the beatings and the, the floggings and the imprisonments? What was it that, that, that caused him to endure? I'm going to tell you ahead of time, I'm gonna, I want to set this idea in our minds, is that Paul endured... Uh, because his message was all about the team. Now I use that idea of team, and I'm going to use it in today's service. In fact, I'm going to roll this up just a little bit. Uh, I'm going to use this idea of team as just a, an idea to plant in our minds uh, what God was doing. So let's start this. Let's start today with this question. Tell me something, and so you can post this online, you can text me, you can, you can email it in, however is best for you to communicate. You tell me something that is unique to your favorite team. What is unique to your favorite team? And perhaps you have a couple of favorite teams. Now, uh, when we think about team, we think of a lot of different things. We think of sports teams, we think of uh, bowling leagues, we think of... I know my mom and other people are part of a pinochle club. We think of maybe you're part of a cooking club. Maybe you're part of a, a painting club. If you watch my mom's uh, midweek uh, video for the Awana kids, she had a couple of paintings. She got into painting for a long time. I know Donna Talbot, you're out there, and you love to paint, uh, and you're awesome at it. You're gifted at it. That's great. Uh, maybe you're part of a sewing group, or maybe you're part of an off-roaders group. We have quite an off-roaders group here in Stevens County. Uh, the reality is... The reality is, is that we're all passionate about something. 
and we know whatever that thing is, whatever that team or that group or that club that we're a part of, we know all about it, right? And uh, I have, as a backdrop here, you can see we got two football teams gathered at the, the center 50-yard line after a football game, all engaged in prayer, all doing that. All these kids, well, half of these kids go to a private school, Christian school, and half of them go to a public school. And, and, uh, and it wasn't mandatory. These kids chose to go out there and pray together after a football game and thank God for his safety, for uh, the freedom that we have in this country to participate and to compete. And so I chose that as, this is probably one of my favorite pictures, if you can see this backdrop, the kingdom of God. Behind that is Northwest Christian Crusaders, Chewila Cougars, gathered up uh, all these kids praying and, uh, and uh, being appreciative of the opportunity to compete. Um, this word team, this word team is not really in the Bible a whole lot. Uh, but we see its concepts everywhere. Usually in the Bible, when it says team, it's actually talking very specifically in a few passages about a team of horses, which is a great metaphor on working together. But let's ask the question, is activity and effort what really defines a team? Let me say it again. Is activity and effort the defining piece of a team? I want to consider that I want us to consider uh, that a team is not necessarily defined by its activity and effort. A team is defined by its owner, and the owner determines the message. Let's look at team in that regard. A team is defined by its owner, and that owner is who determines the message. And it's the message of truth of the kingdom of God that God's wanting people to embrace. And here's the reason why. Because truth is transformative in our lives. Not facts, not feeling so much, but as Christians, truth is what is transformative in our lives. The kingdom message and its principles are all over the pages of the New Testament. And even in the Old Testament, Israel was supposed to carry the message to the nations, the message of the kingdom of God. And in the New Testament, we see primarily, not exclusively, but primarily Luke writes the most about the kingdom of God 39 times between the book of Luke and the book of Acts. He wasn't the only one. Matthew writes a lot about the kingdom of God. And of course, with Luke uh, and his writings, a lot of those are derived from his time working and traveling and being mentored by the Apostle Paul. So we ask this question. We're going to loop last week into this week. What is it that causes people to endure? And why? Because endurance comes, the what, the endurance, it comes as a byproduct of knowing the truth, quote-unquote, the team's message, and then trusting God for the unknown. Endurance comes as a byproduct of knowing the truth, so endurance is that outflow, if you will, from knowing God's truth and then trusting God for the unknown. The overarching point of the book of Acts, of, we've been studying through, and we're winding right down to the last few verses today. That overarching point of the book of Acts is found in the last couple verses of chapter 28, where Paul is under house arrest has been, and has been allowed to have visitors, where Paul is teaching and sharing with everyone who stopped by. 
Turn, if you will, to Acts chapter 28. We're going to jump right into the last part of chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. Look at verses 23 and 24. So when they had appointed him a day, who are they talking about? Who appointed who a day? When Rome appointed Paul a day for trial, uh, that's what the, the context is, is, is they have him shipped up now to Rome. Uh, many trials and tribulations came even in the passage getting there. But once he got there and then they had appointed him a day, uh, many came to him at his lodging. What is that? So Paul was set up in a house under house arrest, they would call it. Uh, today we use these funny ankle bracelets because digitally we can track people, right? And that's a way of kind of, of, of monitoring people. They didn't have those. Uh, in that first century, their ankle bracelets were made out of metal, and it meant that you were chained probably to somebody else. Uh, but many came to him at his lodging. They said, hey, Paul, you're going to stay in this house. We're going to guard that house. We're going to expect you as a Roman citizen to honor the laws of, the, of Rome by staying there, by staying put. But people can come and go as they want to, just as long as you stay there. So when they had appointed him a day, verse 23 says, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he, and here's our point, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. Paul's whole point Paul's whole drive, what drove him, and the, the why he was driven was simply for this message, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was always on his mind. Uh, we had seen last week where he nearly, he nearly converted King Agrippa and Festus as he explained to him who God was and what God had done in his life and given him his testimony. They were nearly convinced Paul's whole drive was to testify of the kingdom of God. And it wasn't a 20-minute mini-sermon. It wasn't uh, this concept that people can only absorb a, a half hour's worth of information before they're overloaded. Look there at the end of verse 23. It says, he spoke from morning till evening, all day long. As long as people were willing to come and go, uh, he was willing to testify and to, show, and to point people to the kingdom of God. Verse 24 says, and some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. You know, the conversion piece of this, that's God's business. That's God's business. Some were persuaded, some understood, some believed in faith, who uh, Paul was talking about, who Jesus was, and some, it says, some didn't believe. That's God's part. The conversion piece is God's part. The message the message is what we are commissioned to share. Skip down to verse 30. The last two verses in the book of Acts. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house. So people were coming and going. For two years, Paul had the opportunity to share with people. Two whole years in his, rent, in his own rented house and received all who came to him. Verse 31, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Rome let him share what he wanted to share. Rome let him share the convictions of his heart and, and the transformation of his own life. 
No one forbidden him. See, it's the kingdom of God was Paul's message. The last few verses in, the, in Acts give us God's bigger plan, his overarching plan. God was restoring what was lost in Eden, the fall of man. God was restoring that which was broken and broken inside of all of us as sons and daughters of, Eve, of Adam and Eve. He was restoring what was lost in Eden. And here's what was lost, the intimate relationship between God and man. That's what was lost. That's what was broken and fractured, right? The good news is, is that Jesus came to seek and save those of us that are lost. And we're all lost. And for this reason, we can become kingdom men and kingdom women. We can join, if you will, God's team. We can be a part of, of th- this picture of these young men only represents a picture of how God wants us to circle up the man, all of mankind, if it will, John 3.16. For God so loved the whole world, not talking about the planet, talking about the people. He wants us all to circle up and rally around him and trust in him. The good news is that Jesus came to seek and save those that are lost. That we can become kingdom men and kingdom women, and if you will, kingdom kids, joining God's king. What does that look like? What does that sound like? How would that play out in our daily lives? Let me share just a few bullet points as we move along here. Kingdom men and women who are surrounded and follow the decrees of the king. If we're kingdom men and women, we follow the decrees of the king. Think in your minds for a minute, maybe not so much a team, but think of a, a, an old movie uh, set in the Middle Ages where the king stepped out onto the portico, out onto the porch, and spoke to his people. And then with joy in their hearts, they followed what he said. They they did what he asked them to do. We can be kingdom men and kingdom women. We have to be kingdom men and kingdom women who are surrounded and follow the decrees of the king, who find that their whole identity is being a Christ follower. Not just a Sunday identity, not just a Wednesday night identity, not just a Monday night identity, but our whole identity, all who we are, from the inside out is transformed and our identity is found simply in being a Christ follower and being a part of his kingdom. Kingdom men and women who serve the king with joy and gladness of spirit. Who serve the king with joy and gladness of spirit. Loving what we do and loving those around us the way that Christ loved his followers is our ultimate example of serving with joy and gladness. Kingdom men and women who have who have melted hearts for the lost in endurance of, and patience in prayer. I can't stress that enough in the days that we're in. Do we have melted hearts? Are hearts broken for those that are around us that don't know Christ? And are we enduring in patience and in prayer? Kingdom men and women who know, <clears throat> who are known for their love of God because He loved them first. Kingdom men and women who are known for their love of God because he loved us first. Find that in 1 John. And we're also known for our love for one another. Those two cannot be separated. It's impossible to separate the love of God and the love of mankind. The two are are, uh, 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 unbroken. Kingdom people whose lives tell the story of God's redeeming grace and his guiding Holy Spirit. Kingdom people who have a passion for the future generations and train them up. Folks, if 
like no other times before, we have a responsibility for the generations that follow in underneath us. Do we have that vision? Do we have that mindset? Do we have that idea that, that it's a part of who God's created us to be? It's not an afterthought. Kingdom people whose lives, <clears throat> kingdom men who will lead and are led by the Holy Spirit and kingdom women who invest in the lives of the young ladies around them as daughters of the king. See, often the conversation about, about the kingdom of God is viewed as a future place or a future time. Often it's become this kind of catchphrase and, and, uh, uh, and there's no depth or reality it seems like. Uh, the kingdom of God is not this nebulous idea, but it's a present reality of, who, of uh, a whole new way for us to relate to God. It's a reality for us, to, a whole new way for mankind to relate to God. I looked up seven realities of the kingdom of God that I want to go through. Uh, and, and this is not exhaustive. Uh, it's just the few that I picked out because I thought that uh, maybe it was a great starting place. And a good opportunity for you to look these verses up. Put them in context. I think it will fill this sermon out uh, throughout this week. Uh, Seven realities of the kingdom of God. The first one is it's the whole reason that Jesus came. Luke 4.43 says, But he said to them, I must preach, Jesus speaking, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I've been sent. The whole reason that Jesus was sent from the Father the whole reason that he gave up his heavenly deity and became man, became flesh, was to preach and to proclaim the kingdom of God for all the rest of eternity. The second point is is that the kingdom of God, it's near you. The Bible says multiple times, it's not far. It's not far. It's right here. It's near you, the Bible says in Luke 10, 11. The very dust, Jesus speaking to his disciples, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near to you. People want to listen to you? People didn't listen to the Apostle Paul, we read in the book of Acts. doesn't matter. We stay on point. We stay on message with the kingdom of God. Because why? Because it's right near you. Hey, here's another one, Luke 16, 16. Hey, everyone was interested in the kingdom of God. Everybody's interested. Luke 16, 16 says, The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, John, the last of the Old Testament prophets that shows up in the Gospels, since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. Everybody wants to know how they can relate to God. Why? Because we realize, if you're honest with yourself, if I'm honest with myself, I'll know that in and of myself, I'm broken. I'm incomplete. There's something missing in my life without Christ. So people will press in. It's up to us to share the message. Amen? Amen. Everybody's interested. Sooner or later, everybody's interested. In fact, we had a fellow show up here yesterday. We had a fellow show up here yesterday and... and uh, he knows that he's broken. He knows that he's struggling. He knows that, that his relationship with God is fractured. We've been praying for him through yesterday evening and even this morning. Uh, people will show up. People are interested. People want to know. 
And here's what they want to know. They want to know what's within you as a Christ follower. They want to know what's within you. Why are you different? I say that often from the pulpit. Why are you different? We should stand out with stark difference in our communities and and in our culture. But why? Just because we want to be different? Just because we want to look differently or act differently or speak differently? No. We're different because of what is within us. That's what makes the difference. Luke 17.21, excuse me. Luke 17.21 says this, for indeed, for indeed, Jesus speaking, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. You know, the Bible only talks of three things that can be in a person. Three things, uh, not including food. Three things, the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, and satanic presence. Three things. But he's saying of his people, Jesus is saying of his followers and his disciples, hey, the kingdom of God is not just close, but it's inside of you. It's inside of you. It's within you. The fifth thing that I want to bring up is that it's obviously it's what Jesus preached. If you look in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, Jesus, it says here now, it says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. It was his sole message. Sole message. Another one that's similar to it's near to you. Uh, in Mark 1.15. The very next verse. is says this. It says the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Right? So it's right there. It's at hand. It's within reach for all of us. For our neighbors. For our friends. For our relatives. For the guy next door for the people that you've been praying for that you know that aren't saved. It's right there. It's at hand. But there's more to the verse. It says, repent and believe in the gospel. See, it's not obtainable without repentance. And as Christ followers, we're called to live a life of repentance. We should be known for our repentant uh, attitude and, and our repentant lifestyle. And repentance isn't, doesn't stand out just by itself. Because a lot of times repentance can be masked in sorrow. The Bible calls it worldly sorrow. But it has to be repentance that is coupled with belief. It says here in Mark 1.15, Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the good news that Jesus is who he says that he is. The seventh one that I have down here, and like I said, this list is not exhaustive. It's not exhaustive in any way. We could probably add many to it, and I thought for the sake of time, I would just bring out seven that I thought were important. But the seventh one is is this, and it's more of a warning than anything, is that the kingdom of God is not for the double-minded. It's not for those who have divided interest. It's not for those who are not willing to be completely sold out to serve and to come underneath the decrees of the king. The kingdom of God is, is for those who are willing to be completely sold out. So it's not for the double-minded. In Luke 9.62, Jesus gives this warning. He says, But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. No one having put his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. We can't have divided loyalties in our heart. 
We can't have divided uh, interest. And this is why we say we can't just do uh, a God thing on Sunday or Monday nights or Wednesday nights or in a small group and live completely different. We've become absolute professionals that live in compartmentalized lives. That has to be washed away. That has to be done, and, done away with and renounced. It's not for the double-minded. The kingdom of God is for those who wholly trust and, and put their trust in Jesus as not only Savior, but as Lord as well. I think, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but a lot of people don't want to fry in hell. I've been sharing this message a lot lately. A lot of people don't want to fry in hell, so they want a Savior, but do they want a Lord? Do they want a Lord through difficult times where they can't see hardly one step in front of the other? Do they want a Lord that's going to lead them in places that are uncomfortable? There was nobody that was more uncomfortable than these apostles that, that wrote the first century or the, the, the New Testament and led the church in the first century. They lived the most un- uncomfortable lives of anybody, right? All of them were martyred except for John. In fact, I shared this story this week with, with someone. Uh, you know who was martyred the day before Peter was hung upside, crucified upside down? Peter's wife. Peter's wife was killed the day before. Uh, Bible historians say that uh, the last words that Peter shared with her was remember Jesus. Focus on Christ. You think it was easy for these guys? It wasn't easy. And the reason why uh, they were able to endure, the reason why they were able to, to continue to step to the plate regardless of how difficult it was is because they went back to this thought this teaching from their rabbi from their messiah jesus who said hey nobody that puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit you put your hand to the plow you drive forward you drive forward you drive forward in your faith following christ we can't keep looking around and wondering what the next best thing is for our lives we have to continue to look to christ the author and finisher of our faith What is our message as we close out the book of Acts? I'll say it in this way. Be who God has redeemed you to be. Be who God has redeemed you to be. If you get that and understand that and are following that, man, praise the Lord, right? That's awesome. If you're struggling with that, just simply go back to these verses, go back to this passage, go back to this message, Uh, phone in, talk to me, talk to one of the elders, one of the other deacons, church leader. Find somebody that's close to you that you know is a believer, Christ follower, and spend some time talking with them. But be who God has redeemed you to be. That's my message for those around me that, that I know aren't following Christ. Sooner or later, we'll get to a spot in conversation where I can share, in essence, you are created for something different. You are created for something bigger and better and more powerful. And it's up to you whether you want to choose it or not. Be who God has redeemed you to be. Be a kingdom man. Be a kingdom woman or be a kingdom kid. There's no more greater joy in life than following Christ. There's no more uh, encouraging, uh, uplifting blessing than being right where God wants us to be in relationship with Him. 
Engage in this message of the kingdom of God. What is that message in a sentence? Simply this, that Jesus came in the flesh, he died for our sins on the cross, he was dead and buried in the tomb three days, and then, surprise, he was walked out, resurrected. He was exactly who he said he was. He did exactly the things that he said that he would do. He didn't leave anything unfinished. And he did it all, he did it all to proclaim the kingdom of God and to bring people back into relationship with him a lot the way it was intended in the beginning. I love it. It's, it's all according to the scriptures 1 Corinthians 15 tells us. It's all according to the scriptures. So it's not just a message in the New Testament that's different from the Old Testament. As we studied earlier, Paul was preaching and teaching and, and persuading people, not out of what the New Testament had to say. It wasn't even hardly in print yet. But he was persuading them out of the Old Testament. It's all there, cover to cover, for us to learn and for us to grow and for us to to engage in this lifelong relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're excited. We're excited to close out the book of Acts. Uh, We don't know exactly what the future holds, but hey, we know who holds the future. God's in control. We love you guys. We're glad that you were with us today. Share this message. We're excited to to see in these uh, crazy times that we live in, we're excited to see what God has in store, not just for our church, but all of Christianity. And uh, um, we're holding on. Buckle your seats. We're in for a great ride. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.